If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Matthew 24 for our text this morning? Last week, we talked about questions the disciples asked uh, Jesus, and this week, we're going to get, actually get into some, another question or two that they asked. Um, last week, we asked, the, the, a good question for us is, is what, what does this mean, Jesus? What's the teaching mean, and um, how, do I, how do I deal with this cultural issue, and also then, what am I missing? Today, we talk about uh, some things that deal with uh, end times. When will this happen? And uh, they begin to... to to dig into Jesus' mind and ask him to reveal some things when he tells them something that's horrible that's going to happen to Jerusalem. It's appropriate for us to look at this in this time and a season where we see hurricane after hurricane after hurricane flying around and hitting, and we see earthquakes. Um, often we begin to say, these are the signs of the times. Um, so we're going to dig into that some today, and we're going to ask for God's help for that uh, as we as we go into this text, uh, but let's just pause for a word of prayer as we do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. It is going to be a warm day, but Lord, uh, we just want to take the time to say thank you for that. Thank you for the blessing of life today and to proclaim that you are a good God. The beauty of the earth around us uh, is, is, is great. We're reminded of that each day that we live. We thank you for the blessings that this earth provides for us, food to eat. The farmers are getting ready to harvest their food, Lord, uh, and produce things from the farms. We thank you for the farmers that, that we have in our community and here in this congregation. We pray your blessing upon that harvest. Keep them safe, Lord, uh, and we pray that you would fill their silos and fill the tanks, Lord, um, that the harvest may be great. But we also, Lord, pray and thank you for the spiritual harvest, the work that you're doing among us, the way that you are bringing people to Christ, not just in this country or in our communities or in this congregation, Lord, but around the world. When we hear of, of an Indian woman who was visiting with us over the last couple of weeks coming to know Jesus Christ in a, in a nation where there are uh, pronounced many gods and many claims uh, of deity, that she can find the one true God. We give you praise for that, Lord. And the way that you have done that within our own lives, we are grateful this morning for the chance to worship you. I thank you for uh, this family, the family here at Coventry, which you've knit together over the centuries and years and decades, and the new members that are coming into this family. We thank you. I'm reminded this morning, Lord, of our, my, my, my loved ones from Woodbury who are visiting with me. I, I thank you, Lord, for the church. And I pray your blessing upon Woodbury and Coventry and the other churches, Lord, around this world that are seeking to follow you. Lord, we, we ask for your forgiveness for the times when we haven't done that correctly, when we stepped out into our own, um, our thoughts and our thinking, which is not of you. We ask and we confess that you would forgive us and lead us, Lord, into life, lead us into joy, lead us into obedience that we might bear fruit remaining in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. In this moment of prayer, Lord, we also want to pray for our loved ones that are sick and not well. We pray for uh, Joanne. Lord, we pray for a mighty touch of healing upon her body. Uh, as I prayed this week, Lord, in her room, I pray that we would see a turnaround. 
We would see her then being restored to full health, Lord. I ask that you would be her healer, Jesus. And in the process, I pray that you give daily strength and grace to Carol and Danny as they walk through this with their daughter. Guide us, Lord, in how we can love them and support them through this time. We pray for Sarah, Lord. We pray for healing upon her leg. We pray that this is surgery successful to keep her, Lord, uh, keep her leg. As a young woman, Lord, we pray that you would draw her to know you better through this. As a result of a car accident, Lord, things can happen so quickly in our lives. We pray for safety for those who travel and our awareness that this, uh, an accident is, could be around the corner. I pray that, Lord, especially with my own son turning 16 this week. Lord, I pray you give him wisdom. I pray you guard, guide our, our young drivers, Lord, um, and you would keep their foot light and their eyes alert. And Lord, and have a healthy fear of the highways and other vehicles. Lord, it's good to gather this morning uh, to praise you. As Sam reminded us, Lord, today's being a day of peace, a Sunday, a peace Sunday. Lord, we pray for your perfect peace to invade our lives. If there's turmoil, if there are addictions, if there are um, relational struggles, Lord, we pray that you would work in a mighty way to heal and to bring a peace that passes all understanding. Even for those, Lord, that are looking back into events which have happened maybe years ago, we pray, Lord, that, that you would bring completion to that healing. Help us to forgive, Lord, as we want you to forgive us immediately, full and free. Thank you for this time, Lord. Now may you guide us as we turn into your word and use me to speak your message, Lord, in a way that's encouraging to your people, your church. I pray all this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen and amen. There's some details of a story that I'm telling you that are a little fuzzy and vague. My parents were trying to clarify some of them yesterday. Um, but I have enough of the details down on a road trip that we took to help illustrate the anticipation of waiting uh, this is not our family car, but we had one that was just about as long as that. And we would take trips to Mill Hall and Lock Haven, but this particular trip was taking us to the western side of Ohio. So we drove across the state of Pennsylvania and then across Ohio to attend my cousin Kathy's wedding. I don't remember much about the wedding, but after the wedding, we went to the reception. I remember a little bit about the reception. And our plan was to stay over that night and then make the trek back so we could be back for things Monday morning back in our home. I think for me, it was probably high school. I was finishing up high school. And for my brother, probably college and my parents' work. Well, the plan was changed. It was interrupted. The car broke down. Not sure if it broke down before the wedding or after, but I remember it breaking down. And the plan of us going back in the time that we had was changed. We had to stay over at a place. I remember a motel, and I was like, yeah, a day of vacation, one last day of school. But actually, that, I remember that shifting, too, and remember, like, we're stuck here because there was nothing to do. We didn't have sports equipment around, and I had my older brother, my younger brother there, and you know, it was just, how do we get back home? My parents were formalizing a plan. Part of the plan was to get my Aunt Martha, who had grown up in Pittsburgh. Now, I don't know if she was visiting Pittsburgh, but I know it was Aunt Martha was going to be our rescuer. She was going to come and pick up most of the family while the car was being fixed, and it was going to come home later, and we were going to meet together and get back, and we were looking for that. So we went to the rendezvous spot, and we waited. 
And we waited. And we waited and we said, what is going on? Where is our rescuer? I can only imagine as we enter the text, the disciples feeling the exact same thing when Jesus says, I'm going to come back. I imagine the disciples going out to fulfill the commission at times, just looking up to see the clouds and saying, we're waiting. Let's look at the text today and see what it has to tell us about waiting for Jesus. Matthew 24 is what we're going to work through today. Um, I'm going to not try to rush this too much, but I want to get you to your, to your uh, lunchtime meal. Uh, there's a lot in Matthew 24 that we could, as we study eschatology, the end times, that we could just go back and forth with. If you want to talk more about this beyond the sermon, I do have some resources for you, and I'd love to share them as we go. But I want to tell you that Matthew 24 follows 23, right? It doesn't take a scholar to, to remember that. And in, in Matthew 23, Jesus pronounces woes to the Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law. You're, you're not doing it right. You're, you're leading people. You're putting heavy burdens on them so that they can't find me. And I want you to notice before we start 24, verse 38 and 39, he says, look, your house is left to you desolate. Desolation, destruction. He's pronouncing judgment over Jerusalem, saying God's going to remove his blessing from you. And he says to them, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is the he who comes in the name of the Lord. With that context in mind, then we start chapter 24. And we say, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him, calling his attention to its buildings. Look at this. Look at this great construction, Jesus. Do you see this? Do you see Jerusalem? See how grand it is? How can it be desolate? I think they're thinking, right? Look how beautiful it is. And Jesus said to them, you see all these things? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, some of these stones that they built the temple with were quite large. Imagine white limestone, maybe carved in the quarry and then brought into place, 37 and a half feet long, right? 37 and a half feet long, 12 feet high, double me, and 18 feet wide. How can these stones be thrown down and moved and shook? Isn't this going to stand forever? The prediction of Jesus was quite remarkable. But I also think, along with their struggling over this prediction of Jesus, which led to their question, they also heard Jesus say that this place is going to be desolate. And Jerusalem, and in particular the temple, was where God's power, His glory was. And this was God's city. And for these Jews, hearing that this is going to be removed and then destroyed would have caught their attention. How can this be? How can this be? This is staggering. We do know from history that in AD 70, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman army and the temple and the city burned. Verse 3 says this. After they walked away from Jerusalem across the valley up onto the Mount of Olives, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. Jesus, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So we have two questions. Two more questions from the disciples. 
What you just told us, Jesus, was staggering. We want to know more about that. When will this happen? When will it be destroyed? That's one question describing one event. And then they asked another one. What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Two questions indicate the disciples believe that the destruction of the temple and Jesus' second coming would be distinct events. Verses 4 to 8. Jesus answered them, Watch out that no one deceives you. I think it's key that he starts with that. Right? So the warning is deception. Watch out for deception. Right? Is there a deceiver that's identified in the Bible? It's a great deceiver. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Christ, and, he will, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Does that verse apply to today, church? Do you hear of wars? Do you hear of North Korea? Do you hear of what's happening in the world and around the world and any place you live? Is that verse true throughout history of mankind? Sure. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. In verse 8, all these are the beginnings of birth pains. The main concerns, one of the main concerns is deception. I think Jesus is telling them at this point, looking into their faces as they're wondering, perplexed. He says, look at me. Look at me. I am the Messiah. I am God's son. I am the anointed one. I've given you truth. I've spoken into your lives. I'll help you remember it, but beware of deception. If there's anyone that could recognize deception, you would think it would be the disciples, right? They're the ones that walk with Jesus intently, live with him side by side for three years. And yet he tells them, watch out, watch out. That's a call for us in the church today to be diligent about knowing the Lord, studying His Word, right, and doing what He says so we can know for certain what the authentic Christ is. Birth pains indicate that something new is coming. Right, mothers? Do you remember birth pains? Even before epidurals, do you remember birth pains? Your, your amens and hallelujahs just got louder there. Oh, Amen. I don't understand birth pains other than to go through it vicariously. And I was right there experiencing it right by your side. You can ask Tracy. <clears throat> Her story might be a little different than mine. But birth pains indicate that something new was coming, right? Be alert. The baby's about to be birthed, or should we say the king is coming. So birth pains are a way for us to be awakened to God's plan and what's coming. So let's review the birth pain list on the screen. There are things that are listed here in Scripture that we're to look for. Many claims of Messiahship, wars and rumors of wars, nation versus nation, kingdom versus kingdom, and famines and earthquakes. I just want to take a second and look into that last line just a little bit, and in particular, the national phenomena that are happening around here. Hurricanes. Uh, and earthquakes are happening. We just experienced them recently, which has a lot of people saying, these are the signs of the end times. Okay? Maybe they're right, maybe they're not, but it is listed as part of the things we're to look for. I tried to research this a little bit, in particular with um, earthquakes. And 
Of course, over the last 100 years, we have been able to detect earthquakes more than the 100 years prior to that. We have devices and equipment which are doing that, and there are earthquakes happening all the time, all right? Now, what I can't definitively tell you is that there are uh, increasingly more now than there were 20 years ago. Can't say that for sure. What I can tell you is that what studies have shown is that in years where there are more measured earthquakes, their, their uh, power is not as high as in years when there's less. And it kind of cycles up and down. The years where there's less earthquakes, the magnitude of those earthquakes is higher. Does that make sense? So there's earthquakes and stuff happening all the time, and we're getting better at recognizing where they are, but it is part of the list of what to look for in birth pains. Luke 21, 25 speaks a little bit into the hurricanes, the, the stirring of the waters. If you just hear that verse for a second, it's one that, that people are looking at and saying, what about all these hurricanes that are destructing uh, the, the, the world as we live in? Well, all the hurricanes aren't hitting all the world. The ones that are happening now are just recently uh, here in the United States. But Luke 21, 25 says this, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Well, we could say we just had an eclipse. We just had the darkening of a sun that went across the United States that was kind of bizarre, kind of different. Is that part of this? Maybe. So on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Well, are we perplexed and wondering what's happening to the world when we have all these things stirring up and, and killing people? Well, part of it is I think it's crazy for us to build on islands where these things happen, but that's where they live, and this is what's happening, and that may have been happening for years and years and years. Anyway, keep these things in mind as birth pains. But don't be so crazy to think that they haven't been happening for some time. Okay? Let's look at the next verses. Verses 9 to 14. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. I want you to mention there, even if you're circling or underlining in your Bible, then you. For me, when I see that, it kind of leads to what happened before this. Birth pains before, then this is going to happen. So it kind of gives you a, a sequential type thing. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Pay attention to that phrase, all nations, there in verse 9. We'll hear that later. At that time... Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. As I read that, I was reminded in the third century, the great persecution of the church under a Roman emperor called Diocletian, where there was great things done to try to get people to recount Christianity, right? If you didn't recount, they might throw you into the arena, the Colosseum, and you had to fight lions and, and tigers, right? If you didn't sign a certificate saying, I will bow and worship the emperor, you might have been killed right there and wiped out. Great persecution upon those who carried the name of Jesus throughout centuries. Verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We talked about that in the children's story. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, the word then, again, suggests to us that we can follow this and trace this a little bit. But I want to caution you into being so dogmatic about that, that you think and you're looking for everything as a checklist. 
Birth pains are here, right? Let's check it off. The next thing is look for persecution, right? Here. I believe prophecy works more in a cyclical way where the events aren't quite as linear. If we try to form it and shape it into such a linear approach, then we become very predictive, seeing this happened, this happened, this happened, now this is going to happen right here, right? And it doesn't always work that way. I don't believe it always works that way. I believe some things that have happened through the prophets are happening in the current meaning, in the current setting that were said, and they also happen again, okay? I do believe that some of these things that were mentioned by Jesus happened to these people that they were told to within the generation, right? If this was spoken around 30 AD, then at 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed, they would have been alive. The people they had told this to would have heard it and says, yes, that has come true. So be cautious in interpreting prophecy not to get too linear. Some of the things that Jesus and Daniel prophesied already happened and may happen again. Verse 13, I took great pause to look into and read into this week and pray about. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, remember how Jesus started this passage. What did he start with? He started with a warning about deception, right? So he's saying to you, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Watch out for the deception. I believe he gives us that line to remind his disciples that, listen, you're going to overcome in me. You're going to overcome in me and be saved. I've got things in store for you. He knew the disciples would have weak moments and disown him, right? He knew Peter was going to say in just a little while, I don't know the man, right? I don't know the man. But their encounter with the risen Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit within true believers will keep us firmly in Jesus, never renouncing his name. So I want to read that line. I want to say thank you for saving us as we stand firm in you, Jesus. Okay? Thank you for helping us. We know that you have a place prepared for us. One of the things which talks about Jesus' second coming is John. John 14, he says, I'm going to go ahead of you. And if I go ahead of you, I'm going to come back to take you to where I am and be. He's telling them now, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Does it mean that they will not die in this persecution? No. Verse 9 says they're going to be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. All the disciples, except for John, died because of persecution. Does this mean that the church in America might experience persecution which leads to death? Boy, I hope not, right? (laughs) Don't you? If someone has you on your knees and a blade to your throat, my prayer and my hope is that God will give us the power to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and stand firm in that moment. Part of my thoughts on this verse is me, as a follower of Jesus, standing firm in much lesser situations. When I'm tempted to look at things that I shouldn't look at through the internet, or in magazines and literature, when I'm tempted to do things with my money that are not godly, will I stand firm in the name of Jesus to declare to the world that I'm in Him and I'm living for Him? Watch out for deception. Just to add to this conversation, in the Gospel of John 10.28, Jesus is telling, it says, Those whom I've drawn and saved and I've placed in my hand, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Stand firm in Jesus. Let him hold you. 
And to make sure we balance this conversation, because we do read of some people moving away. Some will move away from their faith. We read in Matthew 7.21 that there are people who Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him to be your Lord and Savior? If so, he will give you the strength and encourage to have victory even though times are falling apart. This is good news. This is good news to our Nigerian brethren who have daughters kidnapped from them. And they can say, I can stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we will overcome. And our daughters of faith will overcome. It's exciting for us to be a part of spreading this gospel, the gospel of the kingdom to all the worlds as we live in it. Look at verses 15 to 21. Jesus says this to his disciples. So when you see standing in the holy place, that's the temple, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of this house go down or take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. The abomination that causes desolation. What does that phrase mean? It's prophesied by Daniel in Daniel 9, 27. It's repeated here by Jesus. Biblical scholars believe that Antiochus Epiphanes fulfilled Daniel's prophecy in 167 BC. This guy set up an altar to Zeus over the altar of burnt offerings in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple of Jerusalem. In reviewing Daniel's prophecy, one of the elements of of Daniel's prophecy that was not fulfilled by Antiochus was the forming of a seven-year covenant with Israel, which leads scholars to believe that a future abomination will be set up by a biblical character known as the Antichrist. Revelation 13, 14 describes such a future event of the setting up of an image in which people are to bow down and worship too. So when this is happening, think about the context in Jerusalem. If you're in Jerusalem and this is happening and you see it happening, you, you took a trip there, right? How many of you have been to Jerusalem on a trip? A, a two, three. If you are there and you see this happening in the future, flee, run, get out. That's Jesus' message to his disciples right then. Get out of Jerusalem. Don't go back to get your stuff. Don't go home. Leave, flee to Judea. I want to share with you just a couple of counts about what happened there from Josephus, a first century Jew who was an eyewitness to this. He wrote this description, which gives us an indication of why Jesus said flee. So you know it was destroyed in 70 AD, right? But the siege of the city happened in 66 AD. So imagine, if you can, on a limited basis, someone encamping around your house or your city. No food, no drinks, no merchants can come in or out. It's a siege, right? The roads are barred. We can't go anywhere. How long would you survive? 
How long could you live? Four years. Four years of this. Josephus writes this, While the temple was ablaze, the attackers plundered it, and countless people who were caught by them, the temple was a safe place to hide, right? When the army is invading, go to the temple. Countless people who were caught by them were slaughtered. There was no pity for age. No regard was accorded for rank. Children and old men, laymen and priests alike were butchered. Every class was pursued and crushed in the grip of war. Whether they cried out for mercy or offered resistance, Though the roar of the flames streamed far and wide, the groans of the following victims were heard. Such was the height of the hill and the magnitude of the blazing pile that the entire city seemed to be ablaze. And the noise, nothing more deafening and frightening could be imagined. Eyewitness to the Jerusalem struggle in 70 AD. Jesus' prophecy fulfilled. It's worse than that. I read, about, I read about the line, and I thought how dreadful it would be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Josephus writes an account of a mother who was in Jerusalem, a nursing mother, the siege which has caused starvation and desperate actions, including Josephus' report of a mother reporting to cannibalism. Flee, flee these times. Jesus continues in verse 22. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect. If that were possible, see, I have told you ahead of time. So let's just take a second to review. When will this happen? That's the first question the disciples asked. When will this happen? Well, there's going to be birth pains. We talked about them. They're all around us. There's going to be great persecution of the church. There is some of that happening in the world today. The abomination that causes the desolation should get us to flee. And he says, this ushers in a great distress. Has it happened before? Yes. Will it happen again? Yes. Verses 26 to 31. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Whenever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will, will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. Those are all the nations that are persecuting the Christians, as we looked at back in verse 9. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? I like that verse. I love that verse in verse um, Where is it? With the lightning. As far as 27. For as lightning that comes from the, from the east is visible even the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. We used to sit in our porch and watch thunderstorms and lightning. Did you ever watch that? Did you ever wonder if the lightning just struck or not? No, you see it. You see it for miles. Just as you can see it in the east, you'll see it in the west. It's not going to be a surprise. The Son of Man's, Jesus' second coming is going to be visible. It says all the nations will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. There's going to be angels with him, a loud trumpet call, 
gathering the elect from around the world. All right? Now, some of us have in our mindset that the, the gathering of the elect is going to happen in a distinct, different event than Jesus' second coming. Matthew 24 does not give us or paint that picture. Right? Some of us are thinking of a rapture that's a pre-tribulation rapture. Right? That this is going to happen, the church is going to be gathered, then there's going to be this seven-year period, and then Jesus is going to come again. According to Matthew 24, don't think that way. Right? Don't think that way, according to Matthew 24. Think of the, the elect coming with Jesus' second coming. It's one event, okay? And we're gathered to be with him. If there's nothing in verses 30 and 31 which indicates that this will be secretive. I want you to know that the Bible says that the second coming of Jesus is a definite event. All four Gospels talk about this second coming of Jesus. It's also mentioned in Acts, Philippians, Thessalonians, and Titus. Acts 1.11 is one case, right, where Jesus ascends after his resurrection. The angels who are there talking to the disciples say, why do you keep looking at the clouds? He's going to come back to you in the same manner, riding on the clouds. Okay? And it talks about the second coming of Jesus indirectly in many more places. Now, Jesus, that's some heavy stuff, folks. Those are some things there that we just really don't understand or won't understand until maybe looking back or, or through the experience of those things. And we're at verse 31. The chapter goes to 51, and actually it continues with the same kind of teaching and parables through 25. Jesus gives much more information now to the disciples about one more question that they didn't ask. They asked, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming back? But they did not ask, what should we do or how should we act until that happens? But that's what Jesus goes into now with his next teaching. We're going to go a little bit quicker through these next parts because they should be um, review for us as we talked about disciples this year. All right, let's read the rest of the chapter. We're at verse 32. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The fig tree is to teach them to understand how birth pains lead to fulfillment of prophecy. All these things refer to those birth pains which were fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Verse 36. This is an interesting line, which some people throughout history have ignored. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, only the Father. You get someone predicting specific days and times. In fact, I think I heard yesterday was a day that the Lord was going to come again. Did anyone else hear that? Well, I didn't see him riding on the clouds, did you? No, he didn't. It was because of the alignment of some stars and moons in a constellation, so forth. Um, no one knows this, okay? So can you answer a definite time period when the Lord will return? The answer is no, all right? So we keep looking. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the, the flood came and took them all away. This is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And that's, a, that's the teaching for us. Keep watch. Be alert. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. All right, so that's one of the messages for us today. Keep watch. Be alert. Live as if this could happen any day. That's the best way. Don't worry so much about pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. All right? Whether there's going to be a millennial period, Christ is going to come, uh, or an amillennial period. Don't worry about all those eschatological terms. Other than, am I ready? Have I trusted in Jesus to be my Lord and Savior? And am I being faithful to Him? Okay? Keep alert. Here's how about faithfulness in verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. That's a job promotion. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. When Jesus returns, that looks like a job promotion. Good job. You're faithful. Let's do it. Let's do some more. Okay? Now, I don't want that to mean that you never can rest, right? Rest is a part of God's plan for you. That's why he's given us a cycle of, of work and rest, right? We're to, we are to rest. We're not to work 24 hours. If you try to do, it's like, I got to keep working. I got to keep doing this. And I work 24 hours. I don't sleep much. I just keep going. You're going to be burnt out and not be able to do anything. But it does Invite us to ask, am I being a faithful servant of the talents God has given me? Am I multiplying them? Am I using them for his glory? It calls for following of Jesus. It calls for being active in faith. Because the story continues. He tells them, But suppose the servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. Right? Because we could easily say, these guys were thinking this for 2,000 years. Jesus is not coming back for another 2,000 years. It doesn't matter. I'm just saved by grace. I'm just going to live here. I'm just going to be comfy. I'm not going to think too much about it. Right? In fact, I'm going to be, <laughs> I think his grace is great enough for me that I can be actually wicked. Right? And I can then begin to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards and to carouse and to lose sight of following Jesus. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him with a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's a hard message that he gave his earliest disciples. But I imagine they said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that encouragement, that warning. And yes, we're going to go and try to be faithful for you. Now, this teaching continues. He gave them more parables to understand this. The parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents. And then when he comes back in verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and always angels with him, he keeps talking about this second coming and how we're supposed to live through the next chapter as well. You can continue reading that, but we'll stop there for today. When will this happen? Birth pains are all around us. Earthquakes and natural disasters are on a global level. There are birth pains. 
Not just the natural phenomenon, but there's a wickedness. We're living in an era where people call evil good, and what is good and true, we call it evil. All right? We're living in that time. But no one knows, though, exactly when Jesus will come back. It's unpredictable. But what about the second coming? What should we do? Well, be ready. Trust in Jesus. Right? Scripture tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God in heaven. Let's do that now and be ready and live as if he's our Lord, okay? That's an encouragement for us. The first time that Jesus came, he came as a lamb. Hardly anybody saw it. Hardly anybody knew. Lowly shepherds were invited in. Wise men came from a distance, right? Hardly anybody knew that Jesus came the first time. Second time, different story. Different story. The world will know. And he's going to come the second time, not as a lamb, but as the lion of Judah. He'll come as king of kings, and he'll come ready to judge the earth. Be alert. Daily, be a disciple of Jesus. Do not be deceived. Engage your mind in knowing him. And finally, be faithful. Do not let your love grow cold and live as if today Jesus might come. Remember? We were waiting and waiting and waiting. Our car was not fixed. We're trying to get home. Where was my Aunt Martha? Well, see, this was a time where there was no cell phones. I couldn't pull it out. We couldn't pull out and just put her collar up. There was no GPS to track her. Apparently, there were some conversations on the turnpike at the stations where we were at. We asked them to call the other place and see, is there a woman there that's parked in this kind of car? You see, we were traveling east in Ohio, and we had stopped at the last place, the last toll booth in Ohio before it got to Pennsylvania. My Aunt Martha was coming from Pennsylvania to Ohio. She stopped at the last place in Pennsylvania before it went to Ohio. Communication was not clear, and we did not see our rescuer come. She finally we got there. But rest assured... The communication about Jesus' second coming is crystal clear. He does not have to worry about where he will come to pick us up. Behold, he will come riding on the clouds and with a great trumpet sound. Amen? Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for your word. Lord, there's a lot of things that you've taught Jesus in that chapter. And Lord, we pray that we can take away today what we need to take away to be your faithful disciples. Lord, guide us and help us. We pray that you would help us to stand firm until the end, even though, Lord, we don't face great persecution from, the, from our enemies in relation to sword or weapons. But we know that we have brothers and sisters around the world that are doing that. And this text, this context, Lord, means so much to them right now. Stand firm until the end and they will be saved. But Lord, we do have the decisions daily to live as if we're ready for your return. And looking forward to it. Or that we could care less about it. And just go on what we think is best. Holy Spirit of God, lead us and guide us into fruitful living, that we would be multiplying our gifts for your glory, that we would be actually, Lord, telling the world about you and that you're coming again. And the good news 
of your first coming is that you died for the world to make a way for them to come. Thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, help us to be an encouragement to each other as we face uncertainty in the world that we live in, as we face earthquakes and hurricanes and um, nations that are fighting and warring and nuclear war. Lord, there are some real things which raise our um, raise our alert of birth pains. So, Lord, we just pray that you receive honor and glory and that we might be a city on a hill, a lighthouse where your light, your light which shines the way, which shines the path where destruction is, that others can navigate safely around that and find you. We pray that you would shine through us in a mighty way. We pray this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen and amen.